0: Mark chapter 8, beginning at verse number 31. And it says these words, beginning at verse number 31. Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering. He'll be rejected by elders, chief priests, and scribes, and he'll be killed. But after three days, he'll rise again. And Jesus said this quite openly. And then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. You guys see this? Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke Jesus. And turning and looking at the disciples, he rebuked Peter. You see that? He didn't rebuke Peter. He looked at the disciples, and then he rebuked Peter. And he tells Peter, get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human beings. Then he called the crowd with his disciples, come to them, and said, if any of you want to be my followers, let them deny themselves. Take up the cross and follow me. If that scripture is not highlighted or underlined in your Bible, I want that highlighted and underlined. That is so important. He called the disciples together. If any of you want to be my followers, deny themselves. Take up the cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. Those who lose their life for my sake, for the sake of the gospel, will save it. For what will it profit to gain the whole world and forfeit your life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of them, the Son of Man, will also be ashamed when he comes into the glory of the Father with the holy angels. If any of you want to be my followers, deny yourself, take up the cross, and follow me. I put a tag on this text and wrestle for the time that's ours this morning with this thought, one day at a time. One day at a time. Time you may be seated even in the presence of the Lord, take this one day at a time. God, give me the anointing that makes preaching easy in Jesus' name. Mark, we believe, was the first of the four synoptic gospels written. And what the other gospels did is the gospels took Mark's writing of Jesus' story and used it as a framework to build other other gospels. Mark was giving us what we call the messianic secret that was that Jesus could baptize in the spirit, not just the water. And we see that later unveiled to us when Pentecost came and the spirit of God fell upon all of God's people. Remember, Matthew was a Jew writing to Jews about a Jew who did a whole bunch of Jewish stuff. John was doing his very best to give us flesh on Jesus. And Luke was writing to the least the lost, the left out, left over. He was giving us stories that often were overlooked in scripture. So Mark, when Mark was writing some 40 years following the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus, Mark was giving us, um, his favorite word is the word immediately, because everything in the gospel of Mark, the people were killing Christ's followers. And so Mark was writing down the story of Jesus to ensure that if nobody else tells the story, Mark was going to tell the story. So Mark is giving us this messianic secret. Who is Jesus and how was he the Messiah? So it's interesting that in one of the ways that Mark begins to unveil this secret of Jesus is on this journey in first century Jerusalem where Jesus is having this interesting conflict filled discussion with his disciples. Matthew and Mark both give us a story in how Jesus fed 4,000 people. He tests his disciples on discerning how to utilize yeast. And he teaches the Pharisees that while they had forgotten bread and shows us that the bread that Jesus was talking about was juxtaposed to actually be the people the Pharisees were supposed to be serving, but they decided not to serve those people. And so Jesus asked this question, who do men say that I am? Only for Peter to commend Peter and say, Peter, you were listening to me. Because he said, who do men say I am? And they said, some say this and some say this. And then Jesus said, but I don't care what they say. Who do you call? My question to you is, when you talk to God, what is your name for God? Peter, Peter comes back and he says, you are the Messiah. And Jesus commends Peter. Peter and Jesus' relationship is getting better. And I like this because as Peter is listening, as the disciples are listening, he begins to then say, now, Peter, since you understand that I am the Messiah, let me tell you what Messiah work looks like. The Son of Man must suffer. The Son of Man must die, the Son of Man must be buried, but in three days, the Son of Man will be, will raise again. And then Peter rebukes that statement, Jesus, I like you being the Messiah, but I don't like the work of the Messiah. Jesus then rebukes the very same person he just commended. And Jesus tells Peter, Peter, chill out. This walk of being a Christ follower is not about feeding 5,000 people. It's not about 4,000 people. It's not about the demons and the healing. Here's what my life is all at work, Peter. Here's what it means to be a Christ follower. It all comes down to one thing. Are you willing to carry a cross? That's the whole sermon this morning. To follow him, Jesus says, this is Messiah work. It's cross-bearing work. Messiah work is humiliating yourself to sin because I want the purpose of heaven more. Messiah work is being willing to take the weight of the world, put the weight of heaven, put it on your shoulders in a world that's trying to take that off of you and to put everything like sin on top of you. And he says, if you really want to be a Christ follower, pick up your cross they were they didn't like that tart they didn't like that they didn't nobody wanted a life of cross bearing and they didn't want to walk around with the weight of this on their shoulders and frankly church the way that they responded in first century jerusalem is the way that we respond to the cross today We can talk about the cross on First Sunday. We can put a whole bunch of stuff on the cross on communion and Pentecost Sunday. We can wear a cross around our necks. We can put a cross on our Bibles. We can give a cross to some babies when they get dedicated. We can give a cross to people. But frankly put y'all, we don't like the cross. Because what makes this important is the same reaction that they had to the cross, that we have to the cross, is the same reaction that Jews had to the cross as well. When Jesus talked about his death on a cross, all of the disciples could not stand it. They did their best to get Jesus from going to Jerusalem. And they said, Jesus, because we like the feeding, we like the popularity, we like being on top of the community, we like being important, that when he did die, all of them left because none of the disciples wanted the the purpose of bearing a cross, so much so Paul came back in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and Paul came back and said Jews demanded si- demand miraculous signs and Greeks look for wisdom but we preach Christ crucified watch this a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles but here's what shouts me Paul says but He still called those individuals both Jews and Greeks. And even though they stumbled over the cross, he still gives us all power and wisdom that comes from God. See, church, to get the context of this, we understand Jews stumbling over this. They were an oppressed people. They were oppressed by Assyrians and Babylonians and Greeks and now Romans. But the one thing that kept them going was that every night they came together and that God was going to send them a Messiah and the Father. Fathers would tell their children, like Zechariah said in Zechariah chapter 3, the Messiah is going to set us free. He's going to ride it on a stallion. He's going to be a magnificent king. He's going to have soldiers. He's going to kill all of our enemies. They're going to make all of our enemies bow down, and God will be in control. And then Jesus showed up as a carpenter. Then Jesus came as a tecton. He's a a stonemason. He came as a madman from Nazareth. And instead of having this massive army like David, Jesus came and got a couple of tax collectors, an attorney, and a doctor. He didn't have great military victories. There was a crucifixion. We didn't like that because Jesus, you're supposed to come and kill my boss. Well, I don't like him. Jesus, you're supposed to come and fix this. Jesus, you're supposed to destroy this temple and in three days be raised again. It was a stumbling block because Jesus was not what people expected. Jesus wasn't what they wanted, but Jesus was everything they needed. And that's the same thing about the cross. Preachers don't preach the cross anymore. I, I mean... Because whenever the message of the cross has been preached, we object to it. Gee, Pastor Justin, give me five principles to get through this week. Give me six quick steps to get out of this. Pastor Justin, I can sing, I can preach, I can dance, I can serve, I can get up, I can pray, I can sing, I can dress, I can do all of this. But don't you dare, Pastor, tell me to carry a cross. Because a cross is a symbol of humiliation. The cross is a symbol that the rule that you were under is now on top of you. The cross is a symbol that you're carrying something that you enjoy doing, but now the very thing you're enjoying is now grief for the greater good of people around you. Nobody wants to carry a cross, and that's why our churches are dying, because we have a whole bunch of church people. We don't have a lot of crosses. If I were to have a cross parking lot outside, how many of you came here dragging the weight of humiliating yourself to sin? If we emptied the parking lot and said, go park your cross, how many of us came to church with a cross on our shoulders? And I'm not asking you to get 300 pounds of wood. That's how much that cross weighed, by the way. Imagine being Jesus after being whipped all night long and dragging 300 pounds for 10 miles to go die on that cross. I'm not telling you to go take down a tree and put 300 pounds on your back. I'm asking us, church, if we're going to be the church that God is calling us to be, are you willing to deny yourself and take up the the cross, Pastor Justin? What are you convicted about when it comes to seeing faith in action in the world what conviction what makes you come alive and are you willing to put that on not for your ego and not your popularity but are you willing to put that on so that somebody when they see you sees jesus reflected in you take up your cross being willing to be, make make to humiliate sin, take up your cross, being willing to carry the glory of God, take up your cross, being willing to sometimes be all by yourself, while people are mocking you, take up your cross, because I want to see the glory of God manifested so bad that I will carry the weight of the cross, because I recognize how overwhelming it is, but I'm going to take it one day at a time, and I understand why the songwriter came back and said, must Jesus bear the cross alone, and all the the world go free. No, there's a cross for everyone, and there's a cross for you and me, and Jesus tells Peter, if you really want to be like me, Peter, put down your switchblade, put down your ego, put down your pride, and take up the cross and follow me. He says, it's overwhelming, but will you do this one day at a time? When it comes to your faith, what are you willing to do to make sin uncomfortable, One day at a time. If that means serving children, then do the crazy work of serving children and figure out ways to make daily connections to connect with God so you can weave the story of Jesus to children just one day at a time. That means you're an usher. That means you don't just usher on Sunday mornings. That means every single day you are living out the mandate of Psalm 84 that you are a gatekeeper for every person who wants to meet the glory of God one day at a time. And Jesus looks at the people and says, this is what I'm here for. Christianity is not the healing and the singing and the preaching and the yelling and the screaming. Christianity is about one simple thing. Are you willing to humiliate sin? And Jesus says, you've done enough preaching, Peter. Disciples, you've done enough shouting. Friendship, we've done enough all this stuff. When you leave from this place, the way that the world will know that we didn't waste two hours on Sunday is when you pick up your cross. I ain't scared of none of y'all. And take it one day. At a time. I want to challenge you because the Christian faith so often is presented as this mountain of saving people, praying and fasting and worship and dressing, and the devil doesn't like this because if we really want to take it like Jesus says, pick up your cross every single day, Peter, one conversation at a time, one person at a time, one verse at a time, one moment at a time, one day at a time. Pick up your cross and a day becomes a week, and a week becomes a month, and a month becomes a year, and a year becomes a lifestyle because then you get uncomfortable when you don't have the cross. This simple reframing of our faith is so that we don't give up on the gospel because I want to pursue the gospel because let me tell you, Jesus is not a mountain to be climbed, and Jesus is not a dissertation to be read. Jesus is a relationship to be had. You cannot prove your value to Jesus. You're valuable because you're made in his image. So take your life one day at a time. How do I do this, Pastor Justin? How do I carry the cross one day at a time? Number one, here's my first principle. Number one, love your strengths. Love your strengths. Jesus tells Peter, Peter, pick up the cross Follow me. He tells all the disciples, Peter, take up the cross. Now notice what happens. This is after Peter showed his passion to a point where Jesus had to rebuke Peter. The entire story of Mark chapter 8 and Luke chapter 9 is Peter showing us how passionate he is for the ministry of Jesus and everything he's doing. And look at the interaction. Jesus tells the disciples his suffering. Jesus rebukes, sorry, Peter rebukes Jesus. Jesus looks back at Peter. And I like this because when Peter tries to rebuke Jesus, Jesus does not send Peter away out of the group. He looks at the disciples and says, get behind me, Satan. But come here, Peter. Jesus literally looks at his flesh and says, Satan, Peter, there's something in you that is against the goal that I have on your life. So get behind me, flesh. But come here, Peter. I like the pastoral care in this text, Deke, because Jesus says, Peter, I like your passion, but I need you to redirect your passion. In essence, Peter, you have the strength to carry the cross. You're just using your strengths in the wrong place, God. And if you simply were to redirect your strength, Peter, I'm going to show you that you have the ability to carry a cross that's bigger than your ego. And I think I'm talking to people today because you're at church today and you're trying to figure out how I live this life of faith. How more consistent, more available that when you look outside and see government executive orders and marches and things you don't agree with, you want to get just like Peter and raise up and rebuke it and rebel it. But Jesus says, No, 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 don't let your flesh overwhelm your gifting. Jesus says, Get behind me, Satan, but I see too much in you, Peter. I can't lose you, Peter, because there's a leader in you, Peter. There's a business owner in you, Peter. There's graduation in you, Peter. There's an actor in you, Peter. a singer in you, Peter. There's gifting in you, Peter. Aren't you glad that God doesn't give up on you when you gave up on God? Aren't you glad that Jesus calls you beyond your flesh? Because even when your flesh rises up, Jesus says, get behind me, but I put too much in you to lose you. I put too much purpose in you to lose you. I know your anger is getting heavy, but come here, joy. I know your worry is overwhelming you, but come here, peace. I know your pain is overwhelming you, But come here, possibility. I know depression is eating at you. But come here, peace. Get behind me, Satan. Aren't you glad that God loves you after he rebukes you? Get behind me, Satan. But come here, Peter. Because there's something inside of every single one of us that the worst part of yourself can still build the kingdom of God. And Jesus says, because I know what I put inside of you, get behind me, Satan. But I'm not giving up on you. And what I love is that Jesus says, Peter, you don't literally have to pick up the cross. But, Peter, you don't have to go get an oak tree and cut it down and put it on yourself. But, Peter, here's what I love, Deke. Um, He says, but you have the strength to carry it. Uh, You don't have to carry it, but you got the strength to do it. And God shows us that if you just don't get rid of who you are, but use who you are to build the kingdom of God, for some reason... Black folk come to church and forget everything they did Monday through Friday. I don't know what it is. Why we come to church and we don't know how to use our cell phones? But all week long, you have been on your cell phone texting and tweeting and on Facebook and on Instagram. We come to church. I don't know how to turn this thing on. I don't even. For some reason, we come. To, you lead people all week and come to church and don't know how to talk to people. But you've been emailing and talking and engaging with the folk at your job all week. Come to church, all of a sudden, I don't even know what my email login is. That's the problem. Peter, Jesus tells Peter, Peter, don't forget who you are. But use who you, I didn't give you all that you had just to make it nine to five. God, I wish I had somebody. I gave you what you had to build my kingdom. And so stop coming to church forgetting the gifting that God put inside of you. I ain't scared of none of y'all. You know how to lead people, and you know we need leaders of ministries. But you over here complaining about a ministry when God said, I anointed you to lead it. You over here as an angel, I ain't scared of none of you in this building. I said, you were engineer nine to five all week long. You can see systems and structures. You come to church. You forget how to see a system and structure, but then you see our weaknesses and complain about it. No, baby, get your black self up, your blessed assurance, and make sure that we build this church. You're a janitor all week. You see paper on the floor. Pick the paper up, buddy, and then talk to somebody and let's build a ministry. You code apps all week long, but want to complain about our website. Why don't you call us? I wish I had somebody and use your coding website building self to build God's church. Jesus says, Peter, I put too much in you to let you get comfortable in your flesh. Use what I gave you to build the kingdom of God. And God, I wish I had somebody, is raising a generation of Christians who don't leave their day job but use their day job as human resource specialists and computer technicians and data entry personnel and nurses and doctors and administrators. The church is bigger than a choir and a preacher. The church needs your gift. And when we all of God's children get together, what a time we can have. How to reach the masses. I wish I had somebody. Men of every birth, your data entry self, your AKA self, your Delta self, your Omega Sci fi. I wish I had somebody. Your Omega Sci fi self. God will use every single person to build the kingdom if you care about building the kingdom of God. Disciples make disciples when disciples feel like being disciples. I wish we had this ministry. You see the vision. So write the vision. I wish I had somebody. I wish we'd do this. You got the ability to do it. So wake up and do it. Peter, you are too talented to be living in your flesh. Your money is funny because you're not using it for the kingdom. But if you give it over to God, I wish I had somebody, the very thing that you're under will be over and you'll be able to have the strength to change a community. I wonder what the church would be like. (laughs) I know I am. What the church would be like if we had some cross-bearing Christians. Oh, I wonder what it would be like if all of our data entry personnel said, hold on, baby, we're going to shore up that system. I wonder what it would be like if all of our creatives said, come on, we're going to have art painting while we're preaching so we can show the evolution of the gospel. I wonder what it would be like To not have others come in and show us a play, but we put on our own plays. I wonder, I wish I had somebody, what it would be like if we had individuals who said, this is what I'm called to do because the church is bigger than hospitality, ushers, choir, and preaching. The church needs your engineering, janitor, coding, leadership, mama, self. And when all of God's children get together, what a time we gonna have. We can see the cross as a symbol of weakness, But really, the cross is a symbol of strength. Watch this. The cross says, You don't know how strong I am. (laughs) So try me, devil, if you want to. You don't know I got a cross on my shoulders, and I have so much power that I don't even know how to use my anointing, God. I don't even know how to wield this thing because all I know is I woke up this morning with a cross on my shoulders. See, ever notice how some people try to attack, save people, and they can't kill them? Because every time you try to kill me, I get stronger, baby, because I got a cross on my shoulders. And the Bible says, touch not mine anointed. God, I wish I had somebody. And do my servant no harm. You can try me, devil, if you want to, but I got a cross on my shoulders, and I woke up like This. I wish I had somebody. I woke up with a cross. I woke up anointed. I woke up favored. I woke up filled with the Holy Ghost. I woke up water baptized. I woke up blood washed. I woke up speaking in tongues. I wish I had a witness. I woke up baptized in the. I wish I had some Christians up in this building. That's why it didn't kill you. You got your cross. That's why your job can't fire you. You got your cross. That's why you got staying power. You got your cross. That's why your boss can't understand you. You got your cross. And because I got my cross, I know no weapon formed against me. God has the authority to prosper. Because I got my cross. I ain't got no worries because I'm walking with. Am I talking to anybody in the building? That's why your marriage together, the cross. That's why your home together, the cross. That's why your children respect you, the cross. That's why everything is going well for you, the cross. It's not how good you look. I'm a it's, it's the cross. It's not how talented you are, it's the cross. And eat with when you give the best of your service, telling the world that Christ has come. Don't be afraid when men don't understand you. He'll understand and say well done because I'm carrying my cross. Imagine if we didn't waste our time and energy fighting people, but work to build us, work with our crosses to tell everybody the strength they have to carry a cross. I don't want people to know my name or know our church's name because we get together on Sunday. I want them to know our name. I want the mayor to wake up and say, oh hell, friendship's still getting together. I want the governor to get up and say, oh my God, friendship gonna tell me what to do. I want the devil to get up on a Sunday morning and say, doggone it, I should have killed that church a long time ago because this Sunday when they got together, they brought some crosses with them. I wanna work so hard that the community doesn't tell us when we can meet. We tell the community, you don't open till two o'clock on Sunday. I wish I had somebody. I wanna work so hard that schools know that if you ever need anything, you should Up at friendship. I want to work so hard that your boss gives you extra hours and doesn't know why they give you extra hours because your cross shuts sin up so baby I don't wear brands I am a brand God I wish I had somebody I I wish I had somebody I don't wear name brands I am a brand because I walk like this because I can back it up I talk like this because I can back it up and it's not because I got a big ego but God has smiled on me and I'm not talking to anybody in the building I just want a cross so Peter pick up your cross carry the cross Peter Deacon, pick up your cross. Preacher, pick up your cross. Not because you got it all together, but because God has given you the authority to conquer anything that comes your way. God has given you the anointing to conquer any mountain that comes your way. God is, I wish I had, see, I know this is old school preaching, but this is what will get us back together. You have the authority by the power of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ to carry a cross. And so I can give you six steps to fix your business, but let me start here. You better pick up your cross because you can make it happen with the cross. You can make it go with the cross. You can change the world with the cross because God will give you the strength to carry the cross. Love your strength, secondly and finally, Love your purpose again. Love your purpose. Now, I'm frustrated with with the amount of books. You know, you go to Barnes & Noble or any of these places and all these books about find your passion, find your purpose, find what the world wants you to be. All the blah, 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 blah. Let me give you this. Get your Bibles out. I'm going to show you this in the Scripture. Get your Bibles out. To be clear on this, Scripture tells you what your purpose is. Westminster Catechism put it this way. What is a chief end of man? Man's goal is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Go to Colossians chapter 3. I want you to highlight these scriptures. If you want to know what is my purpose, make your life coach mad this week. What is, my pastor said, this is what the Bible said. I'm going to show you what God says about your purpose. And then build upon it. But you've got to love your core before you build the Because too often, I said this a while ago, we build houses too quickly. We're designing kitchens before you lay the foundation. <laughs> so I want to lay a foundation and let your therapist and your life coach build a, f- a structure. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. Highlight this. Colossians three seventeen. What is your purpose? Look what Colossians three seventeen 17 says. Three, Colossians 3. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God our Father through him. Man's goal, woman's goal, is to glorify God. Whatever you do, everything you do, word or deed, do it in the name of Jesus. Go to 1 Peter chapter 4. Go to 1 Peter chapter 4. I'm just going to overload us with scripture today. I'm going to frustrate hell today. I'm going to frustrate devil today. I'm going to frustrate your insecurities today. I'm going to frustrate your anxiety today. Because I want you to pick up your cross again today. Because you have purpose. You are not dead. You are not too old. You are not too young. Your gender is not an issue. You are called by God. Because your chief end is to glorify God. First Peter chapter 4. Yes, Satan, I know you don't like it. First Peter chapter 4 verse 11. Look what it says here. Verse 11. First Peter chapter 4. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. Do you see this? When you speak, you speak God's word. If anyone serves, they should do it with the strength that God provides. What's my purpose? So that in all things, God may be glorified through Jesus. Do you see this? Your goal is to glorify God. Last one, Psalm 50. Psalm 50. Psalm 50. So we see here our goal is to glorify God. When I speak, I speak God's word. When I serve, I serve in God's strength. So then what do I do in worship? Psalm 50, verse number 23. Psalm 50, verse number 20. I hope I'm helping somebody. I'm about to piss off Satan this morning because I want to waken up your purpose. You are not too old. Your service is not over. Your family is not done. Your business is not done. Your vision will come to pass. Your home will be open. Overflow will meet you at your doorstep. But I want you to trust the word of God. I want you to trust the word of God. Psalm 50, verse 23. Look at the word of the Lord said, and whoever offers praise glorifies me. That's why we praise God so hard on Sunday. We want to glorify God. Why? Because in glorifying God, we'll enjoy God forever. Look what it says here. And to him that orders his conversation, I will show the salvation of God. What is our purpose? I'm glorifying God so I can show off what salvation looks like. I don't know what else I want to hear from me. I'm I'm a gospel preacher. When I glorify God. I am showing the salvation of God. And I'm showing off that God trusts me to bear salvation. Your purpose is to glorify God, to show off how good God is. And I want to challenge you with this. One day at a time, show God off. Take up your cross one day at a time. You have purpose. You are somebody, not because Justin Lester said it, but because the word of the Lord said it. And when you do it, watch this, Jesus moves from your your side eh, to your main piece. I wish I had somebody. I wish I had a witness in here. Y'all acting like you so say. Jesus stops being your side hustle. He becomes your main hustle. Jesus stops being your side piece. He becomes your main piece. And when you show up, baby, you want some grace? I got grace for the low. I got a sale on peace today. I got mercy for the low. How do I know? Because I look like what grace did for me. I got a story about mercy because I know what it means to bring God glory. Jesus calls everyone together and says, this is personal. Your cross is personal. He says, watch out for Pharisees and Sadducees, but notice, look what he says here. He says, watch out for the Pharisees and Sadducees, but I'm not going to stop them from teaching because if we serve a God who removes every obstacle, we would never have to rely on him. So Jesus says, I'm not going to stop the false prophets. I'm going to put my oil on you so you have the authority to call them out. (laughs) Jesus says, I ain't stopping them. I want to see, are you strong enough to trust me and stand and declare my word? Okay, I'm not removing that person on your job who talks about you going to church. Are you going to stop talking about them under your breath? Are they going to stop distancing you from my word? And are you going to engage so much that you save the person that you can't stand? Oh, I'm in your journal. I'm in your cubicle this morning. I ain't removing the family member at your family reunion who says you pray too long. Are you going to teach them how to pray and stop talking about them? God, I wish I had somebody. I'm not removing the Pharisees. I want to see, will you declare my word even when the Pharisees are around you? I'm going to see, will you worship me even when the Pharisees are all around you? I'm going to see, are you going to declare the truth when lies are all around you? Do you trust the word of God? so much that you'll speak his word when everybody else is speaking something else. Jesus says, pick up your cross. Ah, it's your cross, personal pronoun. It's your cross, possessive noun. And Jesus says, the reason, I'm done. You pick up a cross, church, is you have a cross. That's, that's it. Jesus says the cross-bearing life is personal. Every person in this room, we are never walking in this life without the daily responsibility of picking up a cross. And because of the nature of Good Friday, the cross is ugly and blood written and all this. So the cross becomes this burden of your marriage and the burden of a boss and the burden of a... Let me tell you something. The cross is not a burden. The cross is a blessing. The fact that Jesus trusts me to do what He did is a blessing. Your marriage—ain't I'm tired of folks saying marriages and children and jobs are burdens. Your marriage ain't a burden. Your marriage is a blessing because God trusted one of His sons or daughters to be with you to build up the body of Christ and to be fruitful and multiply. Your, your, your job is not a burden. That's the place God puts you to build His kingdom. And the reason it agitates you is because your job—your job—is to build this kingdom there. Your children aren't a burden. God blessed you with seed. God, I wish I had somebody. They're not a burden. They are a blessing. And what would it look like if you said every single thing the world says is a burden? I'm going to turn around and say, it's a blessing. My body is not a burden. My body is a blessing. My marriage is not a burden. My marriage is a blessing. My children aren't burdens. My husband isn't a burden. My wife isn't a burden. My mama isn't a burden. But God Has given me the strength to carry this cross, and I'm gonna carry it with grace. I'm gonna carry it with goodness. I'm gonna carry it with mercy. I'm gonna carry it with long suffering because I want to look like Jesus. Our communities ain't dying. We just got so many churches, they ain't got no crosses. Our jobs ain't falling away. There is no recession in the kingdom of God. Why? I got a cross. Well, I'm listening to MSNBC every single day. They tell us recession's coming. There is no recession in the kingdom because I've got a cross. There is no recession in God's family because I've got a cross. And because I've got a cross, i got access to heaven. Y'all talk about politics all you want to. I'm talking about Jesus because when I serve Jesus, a cattle on a thousand hills is his. When I serve Jesus, he'll open up the windows of heaven and pour me out a blessing I'll never be able to receive. That I've got a cross. And because I've got a cross, I ain't got no worries. And the reason I know it works, I'm done. Y'all can shout if you want to. The reason I know all this stuff works, I know I sound like some fire and brimstone preacher, but I want to establish a foundation this morning. My Bible put it like this. If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then God says I will hear from heaven and restore. I wish I had some Bible-believing, Bible-toting Christians who ain't afraid to say I am Christian. And because I'm Christian I know one thing. If you trust in Jesus and you never doubt, he will surely bring you out. So if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. God says, I'll hear your prayer. I'll hear your mercy. I'll hear your shout. I'll hear your shout adoration. And I will heal your family. I will heal your children. I will heal your church. I will heal your money. I will heal your business. I will heal your mind. I will heal your body if my people who are called by my name I'm done. I'm ready to go. I pray this bless you today. But the reason, I don't want you to leave out of here frustrated or worried by moving one day at a time. One last thing the text shows me, and I'm done. He says, Peter, take up the cross. Watch this. And follow me. That's it. Here's what shouts me. Um, no matter <laughs> where I go, uh, Jesus has already been there. I'm about to shout out of my own shoes. The shout this morning, church, is when you get out of your own way, you get behind Jesus. Woo! 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 There's no battle you endure that Jesus ain't already won. There's no mountain that you climb that Jesus ain't already made a path. There's no appointment you go to that Jesus ain't already been there because I'm not in front of myself, but I'm I'm behind Jesus. Am I talking about in the building? That's why you keep winning with all the bruises on your body. I'm behind Jesus. That's why I'm not worried about tomorrow. I'm behind Jesus. That's why I'm not worried about my bills. I'm behind Jesus. Am I talking in it in the building? God, get me out of the way and get me behind Jesus. And that's why the writer said, my soul has been anchored in the Lord. I wish I had some mature Christians that can say I don't want to be in front but God get me behind Jesus Cause ain't no better place to be that's why the writer said the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want he makes me lie down in green pastures he lead me beside still waters he restores my soul is there anybody in the building glad you serve a mighty good shepherd that I'm behind I uh uh, I, uh, I flew here back from Rhode Island, my last trip from there, coming over here, and uh, I flew Delta. And uh, you guys see my wife here, and uh, my wife is a big deal, Holyfield, real, will talk. And uh, my wife has all these miles with Delta. My wife bought my tickets to get on Delta. My wife flies all across the country, got all this type of stuff. And so, y'all, I'm flying back, and I get to the airport, and I'm sitting there, chilling on the scene in my preacher lane, Right, and I'm sitting there, and uh, I'm looking on the screen, and I see L E S slash J, first class. Now I bought a basic ticket. My wife bought my ticket, and uh, I go up to the counter. I said, "Is that for Justin Lester?" I said, "I get, I got first class." And I said, "I didn't. I I bought a basic ticket." They said, "Sir, but it looks like the ticket was purchased under Courtney Lester." I said, yeah. They said, sir, watch this. Um, She's been flying, she got a whole lot of miles. I said, yes, she does. They said, sir, um, because you're connected to Courtney, (laughs) the upgrade that she would have gotten, you get the upgrade. (laughs) You didn't have to do all the flying, but because she flew, you get the upgrade. (laughs) You know, the reason I'm not worried about tomorrow is because, because I know Jesus. Come on, high-five somebody say, my name ain't Beyonce, but let me upgrade you. Is there anybody here this morning that can help me close this sermon? Let's go. That can stand on your feet and say, God, I'm ready for the upgrade in my life. I'm ready for my upgrade. Is there anybody in the building that can thank Jesus that you didn't have to do it, but he did it all for you? And since he came for you, since he died for you, since he got up for you, he upgrades my joy. He upgrades my peace. He upgrades my mercy. He upgrades my family. He upgrades my money. He upgrades my emotions. He upgrades my home. He upgrades my job. He upgrades my children. Is there anybody in the building that got an upgrade craze that can open up your mouth, talk your head back open give him glory for your upgrade he's upgrading all of my joy he's upgrading my business he's upgrading my emotions he's upgrading my situation do you know him have you tried him is he good to you say it say it I dare some cross-bearing Christians to give God a cross-bearing praise. I dare some upgraded Christians to not shout over a job, but shout over the cross. Down at the cross where my Savior died. Down where from cleansing, from sin I cried. It was there I received it, my sight. And I'm with Jesus. So glory, glory, hallelujah. I dare some cross-bearing Christians to make the devil mad right now and give him a cross-bearing praise. Because I've got the cross, you've got a cross, all of God's children. So must Jesus bear the cross alone and all the world go free. Somebody say No. There's a cross for everybody, and there's a cross for you and me. I know it's heavy, but pick up your cross. I know it's difficult, but pick up your cross.